Tonight, Lord, today we are thankful for the word of God. And we do pray that you will open our hearts and our ears, our minds to the word of God. We pray and understand that we are the church. We don't just attend church. We are the church. We pray that, God, you will tabernacle with us. Pray that your dwelling will remain. Thank you for the wonderful privilege of being able to come into the presence of God and to just worship you in song, preparing our hearts to hear the word of God. We do love you and give you all the glory and praise in this place. Thank you for your provisions. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Remain standing. Sister Marie, it's good to see you and your little ones. Chapter 13 of Acts. I'm going to read verses 13 through 22. It may read a little bit different on the board in the King James you'll have up there, but I will be reading from the NIV, Acts chapter 13, and we're continuing our series and discussion in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 13, beginning at verse 13. And it says, From Paphos, Paul and his companions sailed to Perga and Pamphylia, where John left them to return to Jerusalem. From Perga, they went on to Pisidian, Antioch. On the Sabbath, they entered the synagogue and sat down. After the reading from the law and the prophets, the synagogue ruler sent word to them, saying, Brothers, if you have a message of encouragement for the people, please speak. Standing up, Paul motioned with his hand and said, Men of Israel and you Gentiles who worship God, listen to me. God of the people of Israel chose our fathers. He made the people prosper during their stay in Egypt. With mighty power, he led them out of that country. He endured their conduct for about 40 years in the desert. He overthrew seven nations in Canaan and gave them their land to his people as their inheritance. Let me read 19 again. He overthrew seven nations in Canaan and gave their land to his people as their inheritance. All this took about 450 years. After this, God gave them judges until the time of Samuel the prophet. Then the people asked for a king. He gave them Saul, son of Kish, of the tribe of Benjamin, who ruled for 40 years. After removing Saul, he made David their king. He testified concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do may be seated. As a title for this message, I'm giving not forsaking the calling that God gave me. You're writing it down, not forsaking the calling that God gave me. Time and time again, people have wrongly concluded that they should not have the struggles and problem, problems in life that they have. 
Well, if sin is the lifestyle that one has chosen to live, then by all means, one's life is going to be plagued with problems. Then on the other hand, when people have said, I gave my life to the Lord, why am I having these problems? Then once again, people have wrongly concluded that living for God means a trouble-free life. Paul and Barnabas would have would quickly tell you that their lives are anything but trouble-free. But he and Barnabas could clearly tell you that with them, that being in the will of God was the best place they could ever be. It was the very first island of Paul's and Barnabas' missionary journey that God validated that he called them to this service and that he would bless them. On the island of Cyprus, if you recall last week, Bar-Jesus was trying to keep the proconsul from hearing the word of God. And as a result of that, Paul said that you are not a son of Jesus. Remember, Bar means son of, and whatever that subname or the, 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 the second half of the name was a son of that person, for example, Bartimaeus and Bar-Jesus, son of Bar-Jonas. Bar-Jesus was saying that he was a son of Jesus. And Paul says, you are a son of the devil. Now, that was pretty bold. And he says, for a period of time, you are going to be blind. The Bible says a mist came upon him, and he groped about looking for someone to lead him by the hand. Then as we have just read, there is a leaving of the island of Cyprus. Dr. R.C. Sproul, uh, in his book, notes that, that Cyprus was known for its temple to the goddess Venus. Venus was the goddess of love. And, and the way that this was expressed was through temple prostitution. Imagine that. Prostitution taking place in the house of God. Imagine that, that the church Many churches beginning to become politically correct in saying that we sanction same-sex marriage. Where the church of God has been called to uplift and uphold the word of God and to come against sin. Where churches are saying we want to be user-friendly to the point of we compromise the very word of God. So today there's a move around the nation where sin is winked at. Told people all you need is the love of God. God will accept you just as you are. And you can live any type of way in fornication, in adultery, lying, cheating, dishonest scales, prostitution in the temple. And God will simply wink at that sin and let it go. But that's not the God that we serve. Our God is a God of judgment who came and died for sin 
and came and judged his own people because of sin. Today we have a nation and the people that want to hear words that only speak of the love of God and when you die everybody goes to heaven. That's a lie straight from the pit of hell. God demands holiness. He demands righteousness. And if your lifestyle, how you live, does not match how you talk, then you're living a lie. Trying to say, I'm, I'm getting better as time goes on. God says, forsake your sin. People are trying to make excuses for their sins. And so I want to tell you today, that Jesus Christ came to abolish sin. And if you are making an excuse today for how you live and that you have the cane helpers, <laughs> then you need to understand that you're not living under the blood of Jesus Christ. The first point that we want to address, which those things I just said, some of that was not even in my notes. Just take it for free. <laughs> Point number one. Heartbreak soon after starting the journey. Heartbreak soon after starting the journey. In Acts chapter 13, verse 13, it comes, we come to find that after they left the island of, of Patmos, or the island of Cyprus, that that... Paul and his companions sailed to Perga in Pamphylia, where it says John Mark left them. John Mark, if you remember, we were introduced to when the, uh, the Apostle Peter went to the house of John Mark after the Lord miraculously delivered Peter from prison. He went to the house of John Mark's mother, where there was a prayer meeting taking place for the release of Peter. And if you recall, we said that Rhoda was the one that came to the door and said, Peter is at the door knocking, and he's at the door. People said, no, we are praying for Peter's release. He's not at the door, he's in jail. And then you're crazy, Rhoda, go back and do whatever you're doing. And, and then Peter kept knocking, Peter is at the door. And she said, no, it was at John Mark's house where they were. And so it's John Mark that accompanies uh, the Apostle Paul and the disciple Barnabas on the journey. And after the first island, the Bible says that John Mark left them. John Mark is the nephew of Barnabas. Barnabas is his uncle. Scripture does not tell us why John Mark left. But there have been reasons given why John Mark may have left the ministry to go back home. Traveling to some of the places that Paul and Barnabas would be going, uh, uh, it, it was very dangerous. And, and oftentimes, if you traveled down those roads, there were oftentimes bandits on hiding out, waiting to rob you, waiting to beat you up and take what you got. You, you see, one thing that bothers me today is people thinking that they should have what I work for. That bugs me. 
It bugs me when when I go to school and work hard and came came out here and studied long hours, lost sleep, got up early, falling asleep in class sometimes in those boring classes, some of them. Them trying to teach me something and then putting myself through 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 those areas and God blessed me to be able to go and been able to live at home. My dad told me you can live at home as long as you going to school. No school, you're going to work and you will pay rent. I chose school. Our kids got it easy today. Going to school, going to school, going to school, and 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 and, and hearing and hearing some of the things and learning and getting and, and trying to 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 get an education, an education, <laughs> <laughs> to be able to make a living, to be able to impart, and to be able to take what God has given me and growing up through the Word of God and trying to and trying to use what they gave me, taking some of the stuff that just didn't make sense and pushing that aside and taking the stuff that I could listen to and hear and pushing the other stuff aside and incorporating to God, how can I, your word help me in, in, in doing my work. For somebody to come around and say, I should have what you got. And they sat around and didn't do anything. The devil is a lie. <laughs> So our government rewards oftentimes people to say, no, you don't have to work. Yes, I went through Cedar. Yes, at one point I had to get help, but it was for a temporary season. It wasn't a lifestyle. God gave people the ability to work. When people realize and think they can steal what somebody else has, it is not biblical. And so... Hard work is condemned and laziness is lifted up. That's the culture in which we live. What a shame to turn away, to turn around what God has blessed, has blessed us to work, to, to earn a right, a right living and to give honor to God with our hands and our feet and our bodies. To have people tell you, oh, you shouldn't work that hard. And then to try to rob you. There were bandits on the way saying, I should get what you work for. And so one of the reasons that Barnabas or that, that John Mark may have gone home because he might have gotten scared that we got to go through dangerous territory. And I don't want to navigate to go through those areas. Another reason may have been that John Mark might have been kind of seasick after those, those, those journeys on those boats and that rough water. He said, man, this ain't what I bargained for. It was hundreds of miles from Antioch of Syria where they had left to go on this journey. And John Mark said, man, I didn't know it was going to be like this. I'm quitting. This ain't what I signed up for. I was going on the journey. I thought it was going to be all fun and good. I'm going with my, my, my uncle, going with Apostle Paul, Luke, and and I'm going to have some fun as if we helped to minister. I didn't think it was going to be this hard. I'm going back home. Another thought that may have been is that John Mark might have been a little upset that his Uncle Barnabas is no longer the top dog. 
Paul, Apostle Paul now as, as, is the main spokesperson, and it might have been, but the Bible doesn't say. But those are some of the reasons that's been given why he may have been, he may have gone back home. There are some people who start out strong in the word and church. Start, oh, God has blessed. I'm going to run on all the days of my life. Three weeks later. Got people. I'm tired. I went to church the last two Sundays. I'm taking three weeks off. And so we start off strong, and yet we want to be paid full-time wages. Many people's service to God is based on how they feel and not faithfulness to the word of God. Later we know that Paul was very angry that John Mark left. But I want you to notice in verse 14 that while he left, something it says in 14... From Perga, they went on to Pisidian Antioch. Even though John Mark left them and went back home, he was their helper. They decided that we can't quit this journey. I don't care what some people may decide. you got to have a commitment to serve God no matter what other people may do. Some people are only looking at a person that if they're going, I'm going. If they're not going, I'm not going. God didn't call you to look at the person. He called you to look at the word of God. And we're basing our religion, our walk on what others are doing and not what God has told us to do. God has called you to walk according to his word. If somebody else ain't faithful, you be faithful. Today we live in a culture where people say, I make my own decision. I make my own plans. And then everybody walking with their pants down by their knees, trying to be like somebody else. Young men say, I, I can do what I want to do. I don't follow nobody. Then why are you doing what the culture does? Because that's the style. Yeah, you do just what everybody else does. And trying to say that you're not influenced. God has called us to walk according to his word, according to his plan. God has called us to be faithful. God has called us to serve. You, this is, think about this. If you want to follow somebody else, then the thing that you can say, well, I'll just let that. You know what? I don't mind if I go to hell. You go into heaven. I'll just, you know, I, I, I don't mind. Just take my place. It's okay. No, you want to go to heaven for yourself. You be trying to cut the line. To get in line. You go to heaven. I want to be in that line. You don't let people eat for you, do you? Make a plate of food and you sit on the table and somebody else come and eat and go, mmm, that's so good. You didn't taste it. And you do that long enough, you be going, mmm, I'm so hungry. And so we think that we can let other people eat for us. And we sitting on the sidelines starving when God has given us so much to eat. Point number two, holding fast to the calling, holding fast to the calling. After more than likely trying to get John Mark to stay to no avail, they go on to Pisidia, Antioch of Pisidia. Now, Turkey, Asia Minor, which is now modern Turkey, uh, we, we come again to that name Antioch. There was the Antioch in Syria 
where the Lord had called the church and the Apostle Paul and disciple Barnabas to be set apart for the work that God had called him to do. And so the church prayed for them and sent them out. That was Antioch in Syria. Then we come to another Antioch. Is it the same place? No. This is Antioch in Pisidia. After Alexander the Great died, his kingdom was divided among four of his generals. Died as a young man. But when he died, his kingdom was divided. And one of the groups that came to power was the Seleucids. And, and the Seleucids uh, had a person within their ranks known as Antiochus the Great. And it was the name Antioch that came from the name Antiochus. Antiochus was a man that had a big chip on his shoulder. And, 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 and it was one of a very popular name. And you know, when we, when we think about it, you know, when people conquer a place or, or they want to make their name some, something, you know, uh, great or something, or they want to uh, show their fame, they, they will put their name to it. You, you, you know how we can get sometimes. When a person takes your picture or picture of a group, you block out everybody else in that picture. You're looking for one person. Your face. It could be a picture of 50 people. You tune them all out. You want to see you. You be looking, where, where, where am I? <laughs> where, 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 where? I don't see myself. I, I was in that picture. I come, I don't see my. You, you cut off my head. You cut off part of my body. We want to be seen. So we look for ourselves. And this is a, another Antioch. But the most famous Antioch was the Antioch of Syria. And it is to this Antioch of Pisidian that now Barnabas and Paul go. You see, Barnabas and Paul were determined that, you know what, no matter that he left and we're bothered by it, God has called us to move on. And that's what I want you to get this. I want you to get they continued on their journey in serving God because it was God that had called them. Now, one of the things that we note is that they go to the synagogue and they sit down. Now, on the Sabbath, they entered the synagogue and sat down. Now, anytime you see the word synagogue, you need to understand that it always meant that there was a Jewish population present. And it was Paul's and Barnabas' habit that when there was a, a Sabbath service, they would go to the synagogue. And so it is to the synagogue that they go and they sit down in the service. Now, there were four major things that happened in a service, worship service, in the synagogue. Four things. Please write them down if you have your pencil and paper. Four things. The first thing that they would do in the synagogue was there was prayer. The second, there was the reading of the law which was called the reading of Moses. That was number two. 
The third thing that happened in the service was the reading of the prophets. And fourth, there was a message. Now, after the reading of the Law and the Prophets, there would oftentimes be a, a short exposition in regards to the scriptures that may have been read. So, so I want you to note, and we're, we're going to only get through part of the, the, the passage that I, I want to get to later on, which deals with, with Jesus. But as we go through this, uh, this is the first recorded sermon of Paul after they started on the journey. There's no other mention of Paul's ministry or a message that he gave until they are at this place. So when a visitor would go into a synagogue and they, if they knew that that visitor was a teacher, it was often customary to ask that visitor if they had a word to deliver after the three things that I mentioned. They would be the speaker for that day. Would you have, do you have anything to say? Now, now, now understand, we have to remember that Paul was a student of the, of the most famous rabbi of that time. His name was Gamaliel. Gamaliel was a, was a member of the Sanhedrin, the Jewish Supreme Court. And, and, and it is believed possibly that Paul was known to this group because of his teacher, Gamaliel, is possible. And so they see Paul, and knowing that he was a student of Gamaliel, said, hey, gentlemen, do you have anything that you would like to say? Verse 16, and it says, standing up, Paul motioned with his hand and said, Men of Israel and you Gentiles who worship God, listen to me. Now, it is very interesting that there are Gentiles in the service. That means that these Gentiles that were not Jewish had rejected their religion and had converted to Judaism. They, they said that we don't like what's happening in our religion. And they converted and were serving God. And, and, and so Paul addresses these individuals in the service. Paul has something to say. When people say today that the only thing that we need is the New Testament, I don't pay no attention to the Old Testament, then you would have missed all that Paul had to say because Paul went back to the Old Testament and brought them up to speed in regards to what the Scriptures taught. You see, the Old Testament, get this, get this. The Old Testament, if you don't have the Old Testament, you don't have the New Testament. You can't get rid of the Old Testament. You, 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 don't say, you don't say in your family, I, 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 don't, I don't care about anything of my family tradition or history. I'm only living in the here and now. The history was rich because God was preserving and moving his people, doing a great work, all pointing to the coming of Christ. And so Paul, he takes them through the scripture and the history that they were so proud of. And so Paul... Starts with the fathers, Abraham. And he just briefly hits on the main topics and the main points as he goes through this Old Testament because Paul has a purpose and a plan in mind. You see, let me say this it is not your testimony that saves people, 
Let me say it again. God didn't call you to give your testimony as a plan of salvation. Now, it can be helpful. But if you don't get past your testimony and point people to the cross and the resurrection of Christ, if that is not the focus, if it's not a tool that is used to speak, then, then your testimony uh, ain't, ain't, make, ain't, ain't worth much. It must point to Jesus Christ. You see, it's good to have a starting point, but you need to know where you're going. And, and, and Paul, has a, he has a plan. He, he, he gets their attention by starting with the Old Testament in which they were just proud of us. We have such a rich history. And, uh, you know, some of us can get so proud because I come from the Rockefellers. And uh, I, uh, my grandpa, yes, was a Rockefeller. And we have a building name for after ourselves in New York. And so, yes, a big building. And I'm part of that family, you see. That's rock a fella, you know. <laughs> we can be so proud of our heritage, but the Rockefellers ain't got nothing on the saints of God. Amen. Let me say that again. The Rockefellers, uh, Howard Hughes, ain't got nothing on the saints of God. And so you need to be proud. And so the Jews were proud of their history. Now, here's the problem, though. They, they, they were so proud of their history that they stopped there, though. You see, sometimes we can get so proud of what we have that, that, that we don't understand and realize that that's not where the real testimony is. That's, that's not where we need to stop. And so, so the, the Jewish people were so proud of their history that they missed the Messiah. So as Paul is going through their history and as they are listening, the God of the people of Israel chose our fathers. He made the people prosper during their stay in Egypt with power. He led them out of that country. That's when that was the exodus. And then it says he, he endured their conduct. For about 40 years in the desert. And when it says that he endured their conduct, it means they were sinning against God. He killed off that first generation. Those that were 20 years and younger. He's the one. Those are the, that's the group that God says, I'm going to take into the promised land. He's recounting this. Then Paul goes on to say, he overthrew seven nations in Canaan and gave their land to his people as their inheritance. you got to go all the way back to Genesis to see the promise that God had made to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, where the, where the Lord said that I'm going to bless you. And when the Lord had, had appeared to, to, to Jacob in Bethel, and Jacob said when he saw the Lord and saw this ladder that reached from the earth to heaven and saw the angels descending and ascending, that God is in this place. And set up a pillar in that place. Jacob is told that this land I'm going to give to your descendants. God says, your descendants. And Jacob was a man that believed God. And, and God was the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And as he's recounting this, and then he says, when he says, he drove out seven nations greater than you. Hivites, the, the, the Jebusites, the Gergesites, the Hit, all these ites. 
where the Bible says seven nations that were stronger than you, I'm going to drive them out. Why? Because they were sinning in the land. God says, I'm bringing you in to give this as your inheritance. You see, God has an inheritance for you. But most of us don't want God's inheritance. Oh, let me back up. No, 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 no. God has given an inheritance to his people. But today, we are selling for mediocrity. God says, I'm giving you a land flowing with milk and honey. And even though God says, now when you go into the land, don't you do the same things those people did. That's why I drove them out and destroyed them. God says, you do the same, you do that, I'm going to do the same thing to you. So after God gave them the land, then the Bible said, then God gave them judges. My goodness, look at God. God was always providing a way and providing a, a, a people and leaders for his people. God always gives direction. The moment you decide, God, I don't need you. I can do it myself. You have just stepped in some doo-doo. <laughs> don't bring that in. Wipe your feet off out there. So these judges that God had gave them, people would do well for a moment. All of a sudden, they're doing well. God's blessing. And then they say, oh, we're doing well. And they began to rebel. And God then would, would send, a, then send an enemy and then chastise them. And then they cry out to God, oh, God, we're sorry. Forgive us. And then God would send another judge and deliver them. And they would serve and worship God and got tired of that one. Then, oh, they go back into sin. It was going back and forth, back and forth, in sin and out of sin. All these judges. And it was God providing these judges. Then after the judges, after Samuel, the last judge, God bless you. I'm going to leave that right on the, right on the air in two so they can catch that. was Brother Jerry that just sneezed or just coughed. Make sure. <laughs> after Samuel... I'll be done in just a moment. The people said, we want a king. And when you read that carefully, even in the book of Hosea, God says that in my anger, I gave them a king. God had been their king. He was always to be their king. But you know why they wanted a king? They said, we want to be just like everybody else. We want to be like the other nations. We, we, we want, we, they got a king, we, we, we want a king. And the soldiers pleased Samuel. God, God said to Samuel, give him a king. They haven't rejected you, they rejected me. Give them a king. But I want you to tell them, this is what's going to happen. And after all those things were said, after all God had told them, they said, okay, we still want a king. Give us a king. Give him a king. Oh, God, we got this king. Oh, deliver us from this king. God give us what we want, and then we start crying because of all the problems that began to happen for the very thing that God was going to do later on. But God said, give them a king. You know, God will sometimes give you something that you're asking for, even though it's not his plan to give it to you right then. And because of rebellion and because I'm going to do it my way, 
you begin to suffer the consequences. God will, if God tells you to have something, God is the one that will provide the way for it. When you don't even see how it's going to work out, it's God who will do it. But sometimes, no, I want this. I'm going to get this. How can I get out of this? I need somebody to bail me out. Israel was always needing to be bailed out by God if they had only stayed in the will of God. But yet, they were always looking on the other side of the fence. Other people got a king. We want a king too. So God says, in my anger, I gave them a king. Do you not know it was sin for them to ask for a king? They're asking for a king was saying that, God, we are rejecting you. Imagine that. I got to close. Imagine that. The king of glory. So God gave him a king, gave him Saul. Then after Saul had failed to live up to a standard, because the Bible says that Saul didn't have a heart for God. Then he gave them David. And this is where Paul is getting to. See, Paul is setting them up. Paul is dealing with something with the people. And he's getting to this point. And as they're intently looking, because they recognize that their history was great. But the moment you begin to to worship your history, rather than the service, rather than the king, you are in trouble and you're headed for a downfall. When you begin to worship your status, when you begin to elevate your own position, you're headed for a fall. When you begin to say, I'm leaving God out of my affairs, you have just set yourself up for the biggest disaster. And get this, get this. The problem that most people don't understand is that the disaster and the problems that come are being, they're, they're accumulating. It's not just one thing. You can go years down the road, and then all of a sudden when it hits, it's all of the stuff that's been now accumulating over time because we said, I don't want God. So all the pain that God was trying to keep us from experiencing, all the problems that God was trying to divert and to send other ways, the rejection of God automatically means that comes with it. Cannot serve God. You cannot not serve God and not then have problems. We're going to pick up here later on with the message from David and go on to see what Paul and Barnabas is heading. And one thing I do want you to note, though, is that the God-fearing men, the Greeks in that place, they were so excited to hear. That man, they follow Paul. That's what the word of God does. You see, the word of God will cause you to say, I want more of that. I, 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 man, let me, let me go home and study. Let me go home and look and see. Oh, what is God saying? That's, see, that's what the Bereans did. They said, oh, let me go and see what, what, what these disciples are saying. Is it true? Some of us, we don't know if it's true or not. We just swallow anything out there. Oh, that person said that. Oh, and that active evangelist said that. Oh, well, that sounds good over there. And so we want to be collectivists and eclectic and just a little bit of everything. I just, a little bit of anything, I'll just take it all in. in. Can we all just get along? <laughs> God is a holy God and he stands apart by himself. He has no equal. And nobody 
to serve any other God but God Almighty. Bow your heads. Today, Lord, we are thankful for, to you for your wonderful grace. And it is our prayer that in this place that people will say yes to Jesus Christ. Let me just say this right now. For people in this place that have never said yes to the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, and you've been living your own life in your own way, and you're saying, God, I want to give you my life today. I want to I really serve you. I've never committed to you. Is there a person in this place that say, God, yes, I, I, I want to accept you as my Savior. I don't want to go to hell. Why do I need a Savior? Because hell awaits you. God came so that we would not have to go there. He came to give us life and to give it more abundantly. And it's only through the finished work of Jesus Christ, the blood that he shed, and the fact that he rose from the dead. That's our only saving grace. It's not by works that you are saved. It's by faith alone. Can't say I'm good enough. Is anybody in this place that, God, I need to make a commitment to you. I want to accept you as my Savior. Put your hand up and bow down. I'll pray for you. You've never done it. Lord, in this place today, we are praying that, 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 that hearts and lives will be turned around. People will begin to seek God as never before. People will no longer make excuses for sin, but say, God, uh, my heart is feeling this way, and I have an inclination to go this way, but I pray that you change my heart, change my mind, and then help me to walk in it. I know that it's you that can give me, Lord, the victory. Give me two minutes. Keep your head bowed, please. In this place, if you were to die today and go to and leave this place, where would you go? Do you have a guarantee that you will go to be in the presence of God? If you cannot say yes, then you're in a dangerous place if you don't accept the Lord as Savior. If you've never said yes to God, said, Lord, forgive me of my sins, and you leave this place, you are saying, God, I can stand on my own before you at the judgment and be okay. It is not safe to leave this place not knowing Jesus Christ as your Savior. He didn't come and die for nothing. He came to die for our sins. And the thing that's so incredible, you can't pay for it. He just says, accept what I've already done. I've provided the answer. Person that I saw the hand, I'm going to contact you. In this place, Lord, today, as we prepare to leave, there are hearts that need a renewal in the Lord. We need to move God beyond mediocrity. There was a challenge that Paul is, is given. When he, when he gave the proconsul the word of God, it said that he believed what was taught, what he heard. And today in this place, we are praying that people, God not remain the same, but really take to heart that the word of God comes to challenge us and calls us to move. In Christ, we pray today that in this place we will honor you and bless you and give you the glory, give you the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. May God bless you. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord bless you. We pray that you'd have an awesome week.